Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert along with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. 45 years in journalism between the two of us, over 35 covered sports in the H. And later in the show, we ask if Rafael Stone is a little over his head as a GM. But Sean, as we record prior to Thursday night's Astros game, can you believe the run they've had with no Jordan and a ton of rookie pitchers? I can. I mean, <laughs> I, I keep saying this, you know, all season long. Uh, this is still a really talented roster, and it's a World Series winning team, you know, as constructed, you know, with just a couple of three pieces, you know, uh, missing from last year's squad, but nothing really major. I mean, this is a really talented group, and they – they're, they're kind of coming together, you know, at the plate, getting some really clutch at bats. I mean, if Corey Jolks hasn't grown on you by now, then I guess he never will. He's not going to be talked about amongst the most impactful rookies, at least yet in the American League, but he's certainly an impactful rookie on this ball club. If you're not a Chaz guy yet, maybe you never will be. The, the contributions they've just been getting from guys not named uh, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, Jeremy Pena, you know, your your star players, household names. It's been incredible. Man, you got to give a big, huge tip of the cap to guys like J.P. France, who was just Mr. Consistent, Renel Blanco, Brandon Belak. Those guys, uh, like it or not, I think we'd like the alternative a little bit more, though, at least uh, if we had the guys like Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, and Jose Arquiti back in this staff. But what they're giving you um, is is pretty remarkable when you think about it. I know there's days where Hunter, you know, two out of his last three starts, he's really kind of struggled to get you deep into a ball game. But dude's a gamer, and he figures it out. I know he busts his butt between starts in the film room uh, and in bullpens and just working on things. It's It's been really impressive, but look, they play really good baseball against better clubs. We've been saying it for years. We've been saying it since that first series against the Blue Jays earlier in the season. When they started off slow, it's like, okay, here you go. Here's your first drill test, and they turned it on again, and it's not like we should expect this team to flip the switch all the time. It doesn't work that way, but they understood what was at stake in that big Rangers series this past weekend. And boy, they stepped up in a big, big way. Jose Altuve's oblique re-injury could have looked oh so bleak. But no, Dana Brown says it's minor compared to the first time he heard it. So, Sean, you can't gripe. Nobody can gripe at Dusty because they were resting Altuve a lot over the last month or two trying to protect that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I really wasn't because – Heck, he'd played in 11 straight ball games before Baker even sat him down most recently before this oblique uh, issue crept back up. He's barely played in like 35 games, I think, on the season. And so he's just really reached that point to where his body is probably what it would normally feel like out of spring training and maybe even after that first week of play. If it, if it was normal circumstances and regular season play. So, I mean, he's very far behind everybody else. But who knows, when you're dealing with an injury and it kind of throws you out of uh, your your mode, which the World Baseball Classic already did for him, and then he gets injured in it. He said that the injury 
in the World Baseball Classic led to the oblique issues uh, just uh, in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You know, sometimes you overcompensate things. We talk about that all the time. Um, You work a little bit harder than you typically would. You know, your anxiety level is increased. Your excitement levels increased. The pressure is kind of on you, maybe more than it typically would be. Maybe you're getting it a little bit more. Maybe you're a little bit more impatient in the weight room or in your routine. I mean, any number of things could contribute to these types of injuries. And look, Altuve at the age of 26, 27, maybe gets away with it. But at the age of, you know, 31, 32, 33, as you get up into age, it's a little harder to do those things. The body's going to tell you exactly what you need to do, whether you need to slow down, speed up, or just flat out stop. I'm not worried about Altuve, though. I mean, I feel like if this was a situation that crept up and this was the last game of the regular season and you were playing a a play-in game in a couple of days or if you were hosting, uh, you know, any postseason game, He'd be in. He'd be good. You grind it out. This is a smart move by Baker. You give him the rest. You give him the all-star break as well. And you get him back as close to 100% for that second half stretch. Like I feel like they're planning and crossing their fingers on with a number of other Astros. They're second in baseball in ERA. The Astros are in Sean. Did you know that one-third of their innings have come from those rookies we were talking about, Hunter Brown, Rennell, J.P. France yeah. Dubin. That's, that's been super impressive. I think uh, before tonight's start, it's going to have been 32 outings by rookie pitchers. 32 outings. I might be missing one, but that was the last stat that I saw uh, released by the Astros. 32 outings by the Astros. And to be first in all of baseball in Team ERA and top five, in all of baseball in starting pitcher ERA with having had to rely so much on rookie pitchers, which I think they've used nine of now at various points this season. It's remarkable. And I think that's the third most starts by rookies behind Oakland and Cleveland. And you're talking about a World Series contending baseball team, the reigning champs having to go through that. I'm not saying, you you know, I I predicted any of this or I could have foresaw any of this type of stuff coming. But you and I did talk at length about this a number of times that, hey, they were blessed last season by not dealing with the injury bug really at all. And boy, have they gotten bit left, right, all over the place by the injury bug this season. And the resilience of this ball club is just really, you know, what I appreciate. And I think it should help us, you know, maybe appreciate Baker a little bit more than we do. Because when you're dealing with so many young guys coming in and out of the locker room, whoever it is, your job, while it's never done as a manager, it's constantly changing to try to just make guys feel at home, feel welcome, and understand the culture of the clubhouse. The organizational culture is one thing. But in a clubhouse day in and day out, that's a difficult job for any coach, any manager, and uh, certainly any player to have to adapt to. So top to bottom, all around, they've done a really, really good job so far, in my opinion. Well, that transitions us right into the next topic because we're talking about young pitching. Dana Brown's first Major League Baseball draft for the Astros is this Sunday. Have you given it much thought, Sean? I haven't really. Um 
you know, but I am looking forward to it because when Dana Brown was being discussed earlier this offseason as a candidate to have his own club, you know, we know how integral he's been in his various stops, certainly in Atlanta. We read all about that, his ability to evaluate talent, you know, what he did at the time when he got started in Montreal to Toronto, you know, all over the place, wherever he's been. I mean, we know his track record. That's why you felt really comfortable about a guy that is a baseball Paul Lifer, so to speak, and understood various roles throughout the organization and the structure. That's why you liked him coming. And so for that reason, like, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what kind of haul he can come up with. You know, there was a stat, a lot of stats, actually, that I read about earlier today in Baseball America. They'd released their opinions um, on what ball clubs have done the best job over the course of the last, I think, close to two decades of drafting hitters. Nobody's better than the Houston Astros. They've got more home runs. They've got more plate appearances. They've got more wins. They've got, I mean, just almost top to bottom, they've been head and shoulders better than any ball club. But what they've really suffered with, and this was not in the Baseball America article, I just know this from having you know, uh, looked at this before in the past and really like you enduring it for so long. The Astros organizationally, historically, over the last nearly three decades, quite simply have not drafted well pitching wise. And so that's something that I'm interested to kind of see change going forward. You know, we know they've been able to go out and buy guys and sign some free agents here and there. There's no argument about that. But in terms of developing their own guys in the in the top rounds of the draft, they haven't done a very good job of that. In fact, they've been horrible. And I guess if Baseball America, maybe they'll come out with it tomorrow before the draft. If they were to poll and give their opinion on pitching drafts, the Astros would probably be close to the bottom. I want to see if Dana Brown can go out and get some elite talent um, you know, to 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 one day be, you know, top of the line starters, be homegrown, developed, so to speak, in their system. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. Well, J.P. France was drafted by the Astros. Hunter Brown was drafted. Lance McCullers, if he could stay on the field, could actually give you some innings over the last like seven years, but he just can't stay on the field. So he hurts that that figure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to me, it's still developing guys. Yep. If you're producing... Jose Urquidy and Framber Valdez and Christian Javi and all of the, Luis Garcia, all of these guys that you're getting in the, in the international draft. Now that's something that, you know, they had that great run. Uh, we'll see if they can, you know, get back in that game a little bit. Cause we, we need to see more of those guys coming up through the system, but draft wise, that's what Dana Brown said. He wants to focus on Sean is pitching, pitching, pitching. Well, you have to, you have to focus on pitching. Yeah, you have to. And I think if you polled every general manager in the sport, um, they'd probably say the same thing, right? Because what are you, you know, as an organization in a farm system without, um, you know, prospective pitching, you know, guys coming down the pipeline? And, you know, look, the J.P. Francis of the world, Brandon Belax, Renel Blancos, I mean, they weren't your Steven Strasburgs or your Forrest Whitley's or your Mark Appel's, you know, whenever they burst onto the scene and you weren't just pining for those guys, you didn't know who the heck these guys were. Now that they've kind of come up and, you know, Im- impacted the big ball club in a positive way at a really important time, you have to pay attention to the job this organization has done over the years because you, you're able to recall names, you know, that have 
uh, blossomed into impactful relievers or starters. Maybe, maybe they didn't stand the test of time, but I mean, we know over the course of the last six years just how important players have been for this organization in the regular season, certainly in the postseason. But it would be nice if you had some guys with the Astros could make a splash, you know, really find some talent that we could get excited about over the course of the next two, three, four years and follow in the farm system to one day, you know, be that future one, two, three guy on this starting staff and keep this uh, remarkable streak going. You know, look, the, 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 the coaching is going to change. The players are going to change. You just hope that you don't have to go through this massive roller coaster of uh, a tank and a rebuild uh, as we did years back to get back to this point. So it's about sustainability. They hired Dana Brown for a reason. Smart baseball operations guys, good analytical guys, good with the draft, evaluating talent. He's got a strong team around him, I feel like, um, from everything that I've heard and read. So I'm looking forward to it. He's not just got the draft, but, boy, he's got a huge a couple decisions to make between now and the uh, end of the trade deadline into August as well. Yeah, I mean, Dana Brown's got a great record. I'm not worried about him. He's still got a lot of guys that the Astros have been using over the years with, with the valuations, you know, good or bad. We, we're, we're still bringing up guys despite our supposed terrible record, you know, according mm-hmm. to everybody as far as what we've got down in the organization. But we just keep developing guys, and they keep doing pretty good. We just talked about it yeah. just a few minutes ago. And speaking of, speaking of dress, let's move to the Rockets because – They've given away second-round picks like Halloween candy, not to get players, but to dump them. That failed uh, Brooke Lopez signing is making Rafael Stone look Bill O'Brien-level incompetent. And I'm not even kidding about that because reportedly they've given away five second-round picks and three of their first-round picks that they've chosen over the last two seasons to complete a deal contingent on them signing Brooke Lopez. Sean, I don't know if there's anything they can do to make up for this and not make it look like a disaster. I mean, there there's still room in their cap, but I, I I just don't get what's what's been going on. And there's really no explanation coming out of the Rockets except that they're trying to do good by these organizations. And it's organizations that, you know, like they're trying to like, okay, we gotta keep a good relationship. GMs come and go in sports. I mean, we're worried about the Atlanta Hawks. GM, he might not be there more than three or four years down the road. So I don't get it. Yeah, developing relationships is one thing, but getting caught with your pants down around your ankles is another thing. And, you know, the last show that you and I did, you kind of floated an interesting theory, you know, in terms of what the Rockets gave up. You know, were they hoping that a a secondary deal was coming down the pipeline for somebody? It doesn't appear that that's going to be the case right now. Um, As of today, I think every deal that you'd made can be finalized. If there was something coming, we would have heard about it by now. Something would have been leaked. Something would have happened. We would have seen action. But I started thinking about it a little bit. And, you know, look, Daryl Morey, he was here for, you know, 13, 14 seasons. And I think if we're being honest, you know, gun to our heads, we'd still love to have that guy as general manager of this ball club. I I miss him. But even he, as shrewd as he was and – he got out from underneath of some really bad deals and just always seemed to find a way. Once he got over that hump and after the departure of Yao Ming, it was like, man, what superstar is Houston ever really going to be able to bring back? Who is well, that guy? Well, you say he got out of bad deal. Let me just make this clear about Daryl Morey. 
he got out of bad contracts that he might have signed, mm-hmm. but Daryl seemed to win just about every trade he ever made. And I could never imagine him doing this. He always had a contingency plan. And he, uh-huh. he looked at it as a business. It's cold. Like it, it, you, you can't, you can't screw something up. Like, well, if Brooke Lopez is coming, so we're going to stick with all these deals. Like, no, we lost the guy. We're calling off the deal. Nothing had to be official until today. Sean, you just said it. So I don't get it. That's kind of the point that I was getting to, you know, when I, when I preface this by saying, you know, look, even Daryl, uh, while he's gotten out from underneath some bad contracts, he's gotten caught with his pants down around his ankles, so to speak, a bit. But you just mentioned it. Like, the guy always seemed to have a way out, a contingency plan. I think back to when he was the first guy on the doorstep of Chris Bosch. I guess at the time he was down in Miami or something like that. It was before he joined the big three, D-Wade, LeBron, and himself in Miami. We were making a play for him, and it just kind of appeared like, you know what? Bosch wasn't never really seriously considering Houston. Daryl, what's the contingency plan now? How do you move forward? Even though he thought like going all in, bringing this parade to Chris at the time, getting that guy was going to be the difference of being a middling team in the Western Conference versus being a serious championship contender. He really thought you could win a uh, an NBA title with Chris Bosch. Obviously, that didn't happen, and he didn't win one otherwise. But he found a way to consistently make this team, you know, competitive. When you were going through that dark time between Yao and you tried all these different experiments before you landed Harden, and you put that whole thing together, you just you couldn't see the forest through the trees. But he could. You know, he was a grinder. I don't feel like Rafael Stone, and it's easy to say now, and it's harder to see the forest through the trees when you've gone through three straight years of a tank job like Rafael Stone's been the architect of. It's hard to trust a guy like that. It's hard to say that, you know what, this guy's going to figure it out. Well, let's, let's be clear about one thing, though. What, what Rafael Stone was left with was he had the tank. They, they they were in a mess because of the Russell Westbrook trade. Now, I think that had to that that whole trade had to do with Tillman sort of signing off on Harden saying, I want Russell Westbrook. I don't think that was Daryl. Now, compensation wise, I don't see who the hell that the tech that the Rockets were. I mean, we go back to that trade for a second, but they weren't competing with anybody for Russell Westbrook. It shouldn't have cost that much to make the Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook trade. So that trade basically put Rafael Stone behind the eight ball when Daryl walked out the door. Daryl sort of left Rafael Stone high and dry, and so did Tillman. Yeah. So he had to basically do it this way. He had to do the tank. They had to finish in the top four to get a pick the following year with Jalen Green. That, that was their only choice, which they got lucky. And, and then they also knew that they had to get bad. And so, so then that happened. But Rafael Stone... I, I, there's not a lot that I've seen so far outside of maybe Shangun and Tari Eason that I've right. been real impressed with as far as, because the picks that he made were kind of chalk picks. It was NFL Jack gurus. That's who they would have, they would have gone with Jalen green. It would have been him or Mobley, you know, it was like 50, 50, but they would have gone with Jalen green. They would have gone with Jabari. They would go with Amen Thompson this year. Cam Whitmore would have been what everybody said that the rocket should do, especially 
the draft geeks and stuff like that. And then they just flat out whiffed on Josh Christopher and Garuba and jo- and and Ty Ty. If if you're you're having to give away picks just to get rid of them, now there's no way for Rafael Stone to look good if he says, "Well, we had to give away picks to get rid of those guys." Then that's on you. And if you you're giving away picks and those guys are supposedly going to be good someday, that's still on you because you drafted them and then you didn't recognize what they were. So. Yeah, Rafael Stone, you know, man, you got to be worried about what he's doing. And, you know, I think Udoka had a lot to do with the guys that they went after free agency wise. But you can't screw up this Brooke Lopez thing as bad as he did. Yeah, well, you know, you wouldn't have had to give those up, I think, if he would have gotten what he originally wanted. And, you know, it appears, again, that he got caught with his pants down around his ankles by Brooke Lopez. Well, apparently he would have had to give all that up because that was the plan. He would have still given away draft picks to get get rid of – he still would have given away second-round picks to give give away – Guys mm-hmm. that you just drafted in the first ta- first round in the last two years. Understood. So, so it was it was a, no matter which way you slice this, it doesn't look good for him. I'm just saying, you know, you would have felt a little bit better about the situation. You know, when you're giving something up, if you're getting something in return, especially what you want, you feel a little bit better about the situation. I mean, we wouldn't have been kicking Brooke Lopez out of bed. Now, maybe the contract, the one that he got from Milwaukee, which is like what 24, 25 per, you know, for the next four years for a 35 year old, like okay, that's that's absorbent it and that's probably something Milwaukee wishes you know they could have back themselves like I can't imagine them being very pleased with that situation the Rockets you know look what's the difference between you know three five million dollars per year when you're talking about a guy like that somebody that you covet that you really think can be as impactful as a guy like Brooke Lopez we could talk about him all day what he's still capable of defensively offensively just a great team guy yeah what you just said though what you said though I hear a lot from Rockets fans why didn't you give them three or four extra I don't know what they offered him and if I'm Brooke Lopez it might have been three or four million dollars extra a year, or even five or six extra million dollars a year for a for a guy who's 35. And you've got two choices. You could go to the worst team in the NBA the last three years and you could start all over from scratch, or you can stay with the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis, who you just won a championship with a couple of years ago. Like this idea that Brooke Lopez would just give him an extra, you know, three or four, five or six million dollars. We don't know. They might have offered that. They might have offered that. It feels like Brooke Lopez just used the Rockets to kind of drive the price of the Milwaukee. I mean, I don't think the Rockets would have gone above a certain threshold. It kind of feels like this escalated a little bit more quickly than Rafael was, you know, planning for in terms of finances or what it was going to cost to get Brooke Lopez. Maybe that's the case. But whatever the case is, what was the contingency plan? You know, I, I guess if you read reports like, okay, they were, who was the other center they uh, tried to hit up in the 12th hour and it didn't work out? I can't remember, but there, 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 there wasn't anybody close to Brooke, Lo- Brooke no, Lopez. Yeah. yeah this is a guy that was a defensive player of the year You're right. candidate last nearly one defensive player of the year. Looking at that market, there wasn't, I, there wasn't the, the rest of it was tra- That's, that's the free agent market these days. It's yeah. pretty much trash. Maybe you get one or two guys that are worth going after. But like everybody said, the free agent, oh, the Rockets got unlucky because it's a bad free agent market. No, no, no. It's it, That is the NBA of today. Guys that are any good don't hit free agency. You extend yeah. them. And then, you know, if they want out or if you want them out, then you trade them. 
I heard that term, you know, NBA free agency doesn't exist anymore. It's called transfer portal. So just yeah. to borrow a, a college football, you know, basketball term, that, that's basically what, it's, what it is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look at it like this. Van Vliet, Brooks, uh, Landell, Green, you know, you got your couple of rookies in uh, Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore. Those are your new Rockets. And however it got to be this way, I'm just going to ask you, you good with having those incoming players versus, you know, the ones that you traded away that you've offed in KJ and Ty Ty and Usman and Josh Christopher? I mean, I feel like you've upgraded pretty significantly, you know, across the board. It's not that I'm devastated by the fact that they lost those three guys or that they lost second round picks that probably wouldn't be much of anything. Although uh, your, your current uh, MVP of the, the champion nuggets was a second round pick. So you never know, but it's not, I'm not mad that those guys are, I mean, it's not like, Oh my God, what are they going to do without all that, those picks and those guys? What I'm concerned about is team building and long-term do we have the right general man? It's the same thing with Nick Casario. It's the same yeah. story. Yeah, no, I think that's 100% fair. I, I think it was a fair question before any of these deals went down. I think that was a fair question two years ago. You know, how long were you willing to go? How long did Rafael and Tillman really need to take this thing? You know, once you got the Jalen Green pick, did you really need to go, you know, and be bad again the following year on purpose? Did you really need to continue to extend this? I mean, I think those are all fair questions. And it came down to you weren't going to replace, you know, however integral behind the scenes at the time Rafael was, even when Daryl was here. And I've heard stories and I'm not going to discount him being a a good uh, basketball talent evaluator. But when it comes to the shrewdness, when it comes to that elevated basketball IQ, there's only so many Daryl Boreys to, to, to ever feel like this guy was going to step in and fill those shoes and we should be, you know, 100% on board with that. I was never in that, ca- in that class, and I'm not either uh, right now. I, I still need to see more, and I, I still think, yeah, there's a very difficult time, times, you know, ahead for the Houston Rockets. But in terms of this organization just turning the page finally and in, in, in caring about, you know, winning basketball games, caring about establishing a culture, like I feel like the similarities are pretty uncanny between the Rockets and the Texans um, in, in many, many ways. And you just hope that the excitement that, you know, the Rocket fans, you know, are starting to kind of get back. Um, And look, they lost a lot of fans over the last few years, but for completely different reasons in relation to the Texans. And we get that. So getting them back, I don't think is going to be an issue, but it's really about sustainability and seeing this plan through. Um, Well, Well, let's just go with the similarities between the two franchises. Casario, a lot of people think, lost a game of chicken with the Arizona Cardinals in the Will Anderson trade, and the Rockets lost a game of chicken with Brooke Lopez and all these other teams that they're, you know, they got stuck with. So both both teams lost a, maybe some draft choices that didn't need to be lost in that whole mess and lost some assets that didn't need to be lost. The other part that's very similar is. You hope if you're the Rockets, you got your quarterback, just like the Texans got C.J. Stroud, and they're hoping he's the guy. You hope Amen Thompson is eventually going to be the quarterback, and you bring in a Fred Van Bleet, 
aka Case Keenum, to help you know sort of ease the transition and teach him some stuff. Although Fred Van Vliet, unlike Case Keenum, is going to be the starter, I believe. So that that that's the big difference. But yeah, th- there's very very much a similarity between these two franchises, and I'm 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 very concerned. I love the coach in both situations. And I have a lot of question marks about the general manager. And frankly, we're not going to decide this today, Sean. We're it, 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 we're going to find out a lot about how they did in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, never mind the lame duck head coaches that both organizations had. You know, the Texans just had to get a couple of different ones in there. The Rockets decided to stick with Steven Silas and um, significant upgrades. You know, both, you could argue, got the hottest commodities on the market available to them at the time in D'Amico Ryans and uh, Ime Yudoka. So um, <laughs> there, we could go a little bit deeper in the weeds in terms of uh, the public relations view of the organizations over the course of the last few years as well, how well the owners handled or didn't handle themselves publicly on camera uh, and in interview settings. Um, that's all, you know, hopefully in the past, but, and it's trending towards a positive, uh, you know, future for the Texans, certainly with Cal and Hannah, that power duo now, but we'll see, uh, you know, if Tillman, you know, turns it back on again, I remember once upon a time ago, about four years ago, it was like, man, you'd wish the guy would just shut up and go away, but he couldn't get himself enough of the camera life, uh, back then. And he did a good job of stepping back. So we'll see if he stays in the back seat or if he wants to, uh, drive the car again as this organization's turning the page, but I'm excited for it. I mean, the key thing for me is, you know, they're watchable again. And I really want to like my team. I, I loved my team growing up. I mean, and it's never left me. And I think a lot of Rocket fans feel the same way. They are just, they can't wait to watch this organization uh, over the course of the next, you know, month, two months, and into this season and see what they can do and what product they're going to put on the court. Because, man, we're starved for good basketball in this city. Uh, no, we're not. We have good basketball. You go over to U of H and you can see good basketball all, all, all you want. Also, just a good good news thing for the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I thought the Aaron Holiday signing was a good bet to add to their bench. 40% three-point shooter the last couple of years. I don't see him as a rotation player, but look at him like a Jeff Green as a competent exactly. leader to the toddler Rockets. And the other good news this week is if you like summer league, it's happening tomorrow as we speak. We're talking Thursday night. We're 24 hours away, but a quick warning for you fans out there. Don't make anything of what you see. What you'll see is first and second round, you know, for, I'm sorry, first and second year players along with some G leaguers and what amounts to basically practices. That's all it is. Don't say, you know, oh my God, he's scoring 30 or 40 in, in, in the summer league. He's going to be the next. Yeah. Michael Jordan, no, no, that's not the way it works. I thought you were going to go with uh, Wimby Watch. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to. The ESPN got me last night, man. They had, uh, like, Spurs and Raptors on. And I was like, oh, Wimby. I get to watch Wimby tonight. And then I quickly realized, eh, he's not going to play till Friday. Yeah, yeah, he's miss- he decided to miss the first two games of Summer League. But, hey, Rockets preseason schedule came out. And guess what? Rockets are getting back-to-back Wimby in the preseason and how about this the, you'll love this one sean the first game of the preseason will feature your boy jaris walker his return to houston with the pacers so he's going to make his 
NBA preseason debut. Maybe, maybe you could call this his NBA debut if you consider it preseason right here in Houston, Texas. I'm looking forward to that, man. I, I, I'm so glad, you know, I, I didn't think of Indiana like as a, as an option for him. I was really, you know, probably like a lot of other people hoping that he was going to stay in Houston, but I'm glad that the Rockets got uh, Thompson. Um, but I'm happy for Cheris. Like now that, you know, everything is done and over with, I don't know if I could envision like another place for Jarris to better fit him. Like Indiana feels like a really good situation for him. So I'm excited. Um, definitely going to be following him. And hey, speaking of Cougars, uh, the Rockets got one. I, I just realized another former Cougar, uh, Nate Hinton, you know, on the uh, uh, summer league mini camp roster as well. So I'm pulling for uh, pulling for all the Cougs. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun you know, get a little basketball action and just uh, kind of get the juices flowing again. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to see how Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore look amongst the other rookies. I mean, just to see, you know, how their athleticism looks in the open floor, see maybe if there's a little bit better ball movement, thanks to Amen Thompson. And then, you know, to see Jabari and Tari as players that good be on the summer league team, I don't know if they're going to – my guess is they're not going to play all the summer, all five summer league games that they've got scheduled. Yeah. I, I would guess after the first two, if they feel like we've seen enough, you you sit those guys – you don't want to get anybody hurt. So I, that's what I'm guessing with. But at least for the first, I would say, two games, you're going to see four guys that are going to be rotation players and should be super exciting this year with those, those four. And, and Cam Whitmore, you know, he's not somebody that I think – a lot of fans know much about. They've seen maybe a few of the games that he had at Villanova. But just to see what he has, I, I think everybody watched a ton of Amen Thompson before the draft because yeah. that was the that was basically the, the, the rumor, and that's where everything was moving to Amen Thompson. Sure. Cam Whitmore, maybe you watched some videos since the draft, but maybe you're just like, well, I'll just wait to see him in summer league. So this should be interesting. Yeah, it should be. And I, I, I agree with you. Um you know, there's there's a lot of guys that, you know, they want to get a look at. And you're going to be able to tell right away, you know, after a first couple of games, uh, you know, if you've seen enough or not. Um, and then even if you hadn't, you know, you've still got training camp and you've got a lot of time between now and then to kind of get these guys where you want them. And a lot of it's just going to come down to the film room and basketball IQ and understanding what Ime Adoka, you know, really wants to install, how he wants to play. Um, and so you still got a lot of time to get accomplished what you want to. But uh, I was trying to think, you know, back to when Jabari Smith, Jalen Green made their summer league debuts. I remember Jabari's pretty, pretty well. I don't really remember Jalen Green. if he Oh, liked. oh, it was he was fun to I mean, you were seeing that athleticism. He was hitting those follow it. And remember, he came in with Shane Goon. So not only were you seeing his athleticism and him hit some crazy shots, but Shane Goon was making all these brilliant passes. I remember that, that him, year. I remember him with a little bit more. I was going to say way more, but a little bit more than I do Jalen Green. It's just that time hop was just kind of a funky thing from a couple of years ago, just still coming out of COVID and stuff. But um, I remember Shingoon popping, you know, pretty well off the screen, man. He was fun. I don't remember what Jalen was like, but, you know, hopefully uh, it's pretty similar, you know, with guys like Cam and, um, uh, uh, I'm in Thompson, you know, hopefully they kind of, you know, just ease in. It's a smooth transition for them and they're just themselves and they ball. 
Um, because I, I think what the Rockets did free agent wise and in the draft with those two guys, I think they got some just really good, smart basketball players, certainly with Amin Thompson. And so for that reason, I really feel good about the, the kind of culture and where Ime is going to go with this team. Cause I feel like he's got a lot more of his type of guys that are going to mesh with him. Um, versus speaking, you know, speaking of smart basketball players though, there's, there, there is some good news for the summer league is you do not have to watch Dacian Knicks. You do not have to watch him in a Rockets uniform ever again. Yeah. Uh, I would assume, I doubt you're going to see him in the NBA ever. No offense to, the guy personally, but watching him in the summer league last year hurt my eyes. Watching him in an NBA uniform all the time was, to me, one of the biggest travesties of the entire know. Rocket seasons. And he wasted, he wasted so many minutes that you could have been looking. Like, you you go back to Ty Ty Washington, and I don't have to tell Rockets fans this. They know. But, I mean, Ty Ty Washington, you were having to give other teams picks for Ty Ty because everybody just figured he must suck because he was behind Dacian Nix on the Rockets. I mean, he must suck, right? Right. And, and that's that's that that was the issue. If Ty Ty would have played more last year for the Rockets, maybe you could have gotten some second-round picks for him instead of having to throw him away. Yeah. Who's tanking this year, though? Because Dacian could probably run the point for them um, just fine. Like, he might find another job. Maybe he can eke another couple of years out and get himself a pension one day from the NBA. Well, the only <laughs> team that's tanking really is uh, the Washington Wizards are the only one that's straight up tanking. I mean, I, I don't assume that Charlotte's going to be any good. And there's some, a couple other teams you might say that aren't going to be any good, but there is no Wemby. This is going to be one of the worst. Uh, you know, it, the rumor has it, or I don't know, rumor, but the, the, the draft geeks say this is going to be one of the worst drafts, especially up at the top that we've seen in a while. So it just doesn't – the taking this year is not going to pay off to the point that it yeah. did Maybe. Uh, last year. Maybe, but when you're comparing a draft to, you know, the top three of this year's draft, I mean, it all kind of probably falls flat, <laughs> you know, when you're talking about Wimby, Scoot, and Brandon Miller. And I'm in. Hell, I'll go top four, really. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. But – I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this guy will find a job over in the Euro League or something like that. I'm just glad you don't have to worry about it here. I'm liking this roster construction, man. I already got my top five. I got my backups all lined out. You know, my 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 uh, my fantasy, if you will, uh, that I want to see starting in October, November for the Houston Rockets. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. And um, I'm, you know, the summer league. You watch some of the game. I mean, I've watched a few games. And it's just like, unless there's somebody that's like, unless I'm waiting to see Wemby or a couple of the Rockets that I want to see summer league, it's just, it's, it's a hard, I mean, I, I, for me anyway, it's a hard watch. It's a hard watch. Oh, yeah. I, I, I want to see organized. I, I tend to like organized basketball and, and guys that, you know, they're fighting to try to win games as opposed hey, to. That was, I don't know if you watched any of that Spurs and Raptors game last night, but. You know, hell, that was like an eight, nine point game on inside of a minute. And you'd think that, you know, the Spurs would just kill the clock, you know, dribble the basketball out or the other team would do the same. God, these dudes are still fighting tooth and nail, trying to get a shot up in the waning seconds, man. So, oh, this is your chance if you're on a summer league roster, especially. Yeah. Once Wemby shows up, nobody's going to pay attention to you anyway. So, who? No, but so it, was, you, it was good ball. Better. 
it was good ball. I, I, I enjoyed the fight, you know, but you're right. Yeah. When Wimby shows up, it's like all eyes are going to be on him. So you better get it, get yours while you can. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But I mean, I, I just, I like good basketball and, you know, when, when you do have young guys that are trying to make a name, trying to get a spot, trying to earn a look, just build a career. Um, sometimes, you know, for the, the smaller things, you know, the hustle points, the effort, you know, you're going to get some good ball in the summer league and preseason for that matter. So I am looking forward to just watching some good competitive basketball. And for the simple fact that my Houston Rockets are going to once again be a part of it and have that will to win, uh, I'm all in. All right, you and I need to talk Summer League, the first two games in our next show. We got the Major League Baseball All-Star game around the corner. So if you want to talk a little bit of All-Star stuff, we can do that. But some good stuff coming up next time you you and I get together. But thanks a lot. Uh, and let's do it again. Yes, sir. It was a lot of fun. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.